Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Upfront. I'm Chloe Morgan. And I'm Rachel O'Sullivan. It wasn't quite the dream WSL return for our hero, Leah Williamson. West Ham only went and beat Arsenal for the first time ever. We look back on a momentous win for the Hammers and ask what next for Arsenal after that cursed third defeat of the season. Plus, we give our takes on the situation at Brighton after they shocked everyone last week with their very random decision to sack Melissa Phillips after just nine months in the job. Plus, in part three, we're joined by Crystal Palace defender, one of my mates, Annabelle Johnson, to check in on a remarkable weekend of championship football and look ahead to their FA Cup clash for the first time in Palace's history with the Blues, Chelsea. Not a bad little fixture, that. I'm looking forward to challenging her because the championship is wild. Isn't it just? Oh my God. I mean, they're sitting in third at the moment. They've got a game in hand. I mean, they look like they could actually get into the WSL. And I left last year and I'm fuming. There's, There's four points between top and fifth. And then there's like eight points between the bottom and sixth. It's so close. It's almost like the championship's becoming more competitive. Shocker. Right, let's start then. Your moment of the weekend, Rachel O'Sullivan. Um, oh, back with that horrendous Irish <laughs> accent. Um, I'm going to go with Hawa Sissoko's goal. Oh, because not only does she defend, mighty, mighty defender, but apparently she can absolutely bang the goals away like a star number nine. Oh my God, what a goal it was. And she's just such a happy person. She was so happy. She was so happy. So uh, yeah, her celebrations were great. Pretty sure she went over and high-fived someone in the crowd as well. Um, Why not? Absolute belter of a goal. And yeah, just afterwards she was super excited and gave a lovely interview to West Ham's social media as well. So um, that's my moment of the weekend. Lovely. I was really surprised actually she didn't get player of the match. I know Hayashi got it and she also had a fantastic game. You've got to give it credit. It was a very evenly matched battle Mm -hmm. but I thought Sissoko just pipped it for me. I know Hayashi's Sliding. We'll talk oh, about real. that in a second. Oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. It was. Um, What's yeah, your moment? Moment of perfection. Um, for me, I think it's got to be some random news that came out. It's not really a moment of the weekend. It's more from yesterday. You know, off the back of the Melissa Phillips news, obviously we we're thinking, surely that's the only manager carnage that we're going to see in recent days. But no, we've now received this kind of weird rumor floating around that Frank Lampard, yeah, yes, Frank Lampard, is being considered for the Chelsea win- women's manager role. Um, tipped is the word that a lot of publications are using. And where has that rumour come from? Izzy Christensen. I love Izzy Christensen's punditry. I think she's absolutely amazing. Her career has been outstanding. The punditry, the expertise that she has, second to none. But I do question the comments. I mean, she told LiveScore, I do have a name in mind, but I've never heard anyone throw it out there. Frank Lampard. He's somebody who knows the club inside out. From my experiences at Everton, listening to him speak, he's the right type of character. His level of communication and knowledge of the game could really be effective. And I think you've got someone well accustomed with what it means to be Chelsea. Okay, I thought when you told me about this. Yes. That it was like, well, no, but like it had been bandied around and she gave her opinion on it. She's just randomly said, 
oh, Frank might be all right for the job. Mm. Okay, we can all calm down. Jesus, I thought like he'd been like, it was a thing that was going to happen and everyone was talking about it and someone asked Izzy about it. No, it's just Izzy going, I think Frankie might be decent. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Frank Lampard was at Chelsea. Listen, great football player. Shocking manager. A manager, managerial career. It's no, no. not. You, you, the Chelsea women's job is the elite job in women's football in England. So I, you know, this is not a training job. This is not a kind of... Okay, okay well, let's... Never let, all right? Yeah. Let's not, you know, use the women's... Chelsea women's team to get back into the Premier League manager. This is not a stepping stone. This, this is, is not, not the opportunity for a man to fail upwards. I'm sorry. It's no. just not an option. I don't. And I am fully aware that he is one of my wife's favourite footballers ever. Of she course. called her car Frankie. But even she would agree with me that he would not make a good manager. Possibly not, not the best fit. But we are still yet to find out um, who is sort of tipped in reality, to become the women's championship, the women's championship job? The, the manager of the whole championship. <laughs> Someone needs to get a handle on the bloody thing because it's out of control. Right, let's move <laughs> swiftly on before I mess up too many of my words. Um, right, we've got to talk about the biggest shock of the weekend, West Ham versus Arsenal. I mean, 2-1 to West Ham. I think um, everyone felt a bit complacent about this result going into it. I thought, you know what, for Arsenal... This is not an easy fixture by any means, not saying that in the slightest, but I think I safely felt that Arsenal would walk away from a competitive game with the points. Leah Williamson's first start, upstaged by the Hammers. I felt really, really sorry for her. Obviously, the crowd was really behind her. You know, first start back, you know, that's a massive boost for for Arsenal. Um, But also missing uh, Katie McCabe. Um, She was yellow carded in the previous fixture. I bet she, she looked at that went... Shit, I need a yellow card so that I don't miss the Manchester City game. 100%. And it, she did that wrong. It kind of backfired. Couldn't she have done it for this game tomorrow? Uh, Instead? I, I, against I think London it, City Lionesses would have possibly, been a better one for her to miss, surely. I think it might have to be league fixtures. I'd, I'd have to double check the rules. But either way, I mean, you wouldn't... I, I don't blame her for thinking that was probably the better fixture to miss out of that and Manchester United. But I think she was very sorely missed. It must have been very difficult for her on the sidelines to watch Arsenal walk away with absolutely nothing from the game. I also felt like she was a miss as well. Like It felt like the game missed her. Do you know that kind of way? It, it needed absolutely. that kind of dynamism. Um, I think, so I, we asked Jonas Eidevel pre-match about West Ham and I really liked his answer um, because he said, I have a lot of respect for West Ham. Um, I think you can see the league table in two different stages. One is that you purely look at the points and actual goal difference and that paints one picture. Mm-hmm. Um, but remember, we've only played 12 games, which is m- just more than half of the WSL. If you were to compare that to another league, we could play 38 to 46 games. It's not a lot of games and a low-scoring sport like football, in a low-scoring sport like football. Mm-hmm. He said West Ham, from an XG perspective, is fifth ranked in this league. So I think that that's a team that has massively underperformed for points compared to their performances so far this season. For me, West Ham's performances in a lot of games has been really strong. And to your point, I think they had a really strong transfer window and brought in some quality players. So it's a really strong opponent and we need to be on our best. So he respected that. He he recognised that. Well, do we think that was the problem then? Because, I mean, Arsenal seemed to boss the first half. I mean, had Viv Miedema twice being denied by um, Hayashi's goal-saving tackle. I mean, oh, that was unreal. It was Where the did she most come from? pin-perfect. It was like, she was like a Dementor. Just sort of came up from the floor and just sort of <laughs> took, it, took it out. I just, I didn't, I didn't see it coming Very at light all. on her feet. I don't think Viv knew she was coming either. No, but another great goal-scoring opportunity for Viv. And then there was a second one where she was sort of threw on, uh, threw on goal, but slightly off to the side. This absolutely rocket that sort of, you know, completely evaded Arnold, but hit 
the the, the bar and, and went off. And you think, okay, well, is this just going to be one of those days that by all, you can have all the intention in the world, but you're not going to get it. But they did come unstuck, I think, through moments like that of just being unlucky and also not converted their chances, but also mistakes. I mean, when you look at sort of what happened with the, the Zinsberger punch in particular, I mean... I messaged someone during that match and I said, this wind is going to cause Zinsberger some problems and we're probably going to see a mistake. How windy was it though? Because it obviously was, I was watching the game at home, so it's hard, to, it's hard to pick up on things like that. I find Dagenham and Redbridge a bit of a wind tunnel. It's so exposed. Like, it's often feels windy when it's not really that windy. So it, it was windy on Sunday. So it was especially windy at West Ham. It, it, it wasn't as bad as... Christy Mew, Mewis versus the, the quarter flag. It yep, wasn't okay. that level of windy, but yeah, yeah. it was that kind of uh, whipping wind. So like a lot of high balls, you know, you were seeing them maybe travel further than you'd expect, for example, and, and stuff like that. Like that that evening, the Chelsea match, you know, I know it's a different game, but Brosnan was nearly caught out by a corner because the way the wind whipped it. So it definitely was having an impact. And I, I do think it did in that in that that goal that they conceded because I feel like A, she should have caught it, but B, like that punch was maybe <laughs> didn't go as far as she thought it would. As a goalkeeper looking at that, you must be like, head in hands. I hate criticising goalkeepers because in those seconds, you have to take into, fa- into account who's around you, the bodies in the box, the weather conditions. But for me, I mean, Zingsberger gets into this great position. She comes forward. She's on the front foot. She's really dynamic. Um, you'd only really expect to punch if the ball was much higher. But where she actually punches it from is kind of around mid-chest. So it's almost like, you know, like a netball pass. It's like that. It's like harder to like punch than catch. Pass. It was almost like that. And like the direction of it then is only going to take it quite quickly into the floor, which it did. And then it's pretty much going to be a 50-50 situation as to whether your players or the opposition players pick it up. So for me, she could have done absolutely 100% better but you've got to be because it is a very fast moving ball it clearly is and it's probably not propelled it's probably propelled on a little bit more by the wind but you've got to make sure that or be confident in your handling that you can catch that and not spill it so I think where she's maybe not been confident that she's actually going to hold on to the ball she's thought okay well like safety punch it away she's gone netball punch away rather than say volleyball punch it up I mean yeah if she'd <laughs> if have done like, that given uh, that little height on us I'd have had some serious serious concerns <laughs> <laughs> about but at least it wouldn't the have ended up of her career. <laughs> it but, wouldn't have ended up with Sissoko's feet. <laughs> but it wouldn't have. But it was, I mean, that in itself is almost kind of like a lovely thing that's happened because that Sissoko goal was such a moment that's of beauty. It was so good. Um, <laughs> that it sort of kind of, well, it worked aesthetics wise because it created a really good goal and a really good game. But um, yeah, I was, I, I was definitely very critical of Manuela Zinsberg's punch. And do we need on. to talk about pe- the penalties that weren't or that were? Uh, okay, what's your what's your thoughts on the Steph Catley pen- penalty? Oh, I find okay that one. Look, I think is really difficult in real time. You know, if you we don't have that many good angles on it, it could have been just outside the box with momentum carrying her in, but it's a really hard one to judge in real time. I think. I think the one where they like volleyed it between three or four of them with what their hands. <laughs> I said to self, it reminded me of you know when you're a kid at a party and you're trying to keep the balloon up. That's oh, what it kind of reminded day. me of. And then the one where Minnie just floored Chloe Lacasse. That was like <laughs> a blatant penalty and it happened right in front of the ref as well. But look, you can't like, you can't really be saying we didn't get the penalty, that's why we didn't win. You know, they created, a, they should be creating, you know, they're creating a lot of chances, not a lot of good quality ones, but arguably should have put the game to bed anyway. But those penalty decisions or lack of was a surprise. All day. The penalty decisions could have changed the game, but when you're having 23 shots and only five of them are on target and you only score one, that in itself isn't good enough. No. Right. Well, let's talk a little bit about West Ham because, 
I mean, I didn't realise this, but producer Finn picked up on the lovely fact that they have been, or they've named the first starting eleven in WSL history without a single English player. I mean, when you kind oh, of wow. look at the diversity of that squad, you've got Hayashi Ueki from Japan, you've got Sissoko from France, you've got Zadorski from Canada, Gorin Arnold from Australia, Kirsty Smith, Scotland's probably the closest one to, <laughs> just to home. Just border. But yeah, it just feels like Just quite you a, from Ireland. What a multicultural yeah. game that was, and we didn't even realise. Well done. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely not something I picked up on at all. I didn't even notice that. But oh, congratulations to the WSL. On... Emma Harris didn't start, did she? There you go. That uh, that's missed out. That was your English player there, I think. Um, yeah, that was. I was impressed by West Ham. I think they probably recognised that Arsenal really struggle with the low block, like still. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a tactical problem if they can't figure out how to break it down. Um, you know, we saw it against Liverpool in the first game of the season. Um, and it's they're not creative enough in those final spaces, and they're not there weren't enough runs in behind to find yeah. players. It was very congested. At the, that's what I find the most frustrating is those little tippy-tappy passes that Arsenal like to do in and around the box and they mm-hmm. pass it to a player who's like a metre away who passes it to a player who's like a metre away. And then they finally decide to shoot when there's about four defenders in front of them. Like, yep. they're, they're not creative enough in those spaces and I think that's a theme across the season so far. Um, and it's probably why sometimes <clears throat> in the games that they've won against teams you'd expect them to win against, it's not been like super dominant loads of goals. Yep. So it's a concern. Okay, well, what do you think now? I think given the fact that West Ham have taken a very big scalp this weekend, what do you think is kind of realistic for them for the rest of the season? I mean, for me, I think, you know, we're coming to the business end of the season. I don't think we're any more talking about them being relegation contenders. I now think they have the strength and depth to feel safe. Not purely safe because there is still, I think there's only a uh, six-point gap between them and Bristol City, as is, um, you know, a couple other teams. But at the same time, I think that is going to buoy their confidence, taking over, you know, taking apart Arsenal. Um, And it wasn't just one of those lucky games. It felt like it was a well-deserved win. And I think that's the difference between the confidence that you get from, you know, they Arsenal had a really shit day and they just happened to score a couple of scrappy goals. No, West Ham deserved that game through and through. Um, but you pressing do, and, and very good defensively the once de- they went the defend, ahead. The emergency defending, the slide tackles that they had each other's back to the end. And that mentality, I think, is going to be, there's a shift there, I think, in them thinking, okay, well, we can take points now. And also, if you look at the table, it's still really close from 7th to 12th, which again is one of the frustrating points when we get on to Brighton. You know, they've now got themselves West Ham. They're on the same number of points as Everton and Brighton, but they're only two points away from both Aston Villa and Leicester. So, Mm -hmm. like, you know, there's a win away from seventh. They're a win away from taking another few steps up the table, which is massive. And it's that's what's important when it's so tight at the bottom. Any point matters. And I think Bristol City probably have that mentality now as well. Just any point can just edge them up a little bit. And I think that's important when you're looking at the relegation battle. It's not just far and away, like, out of distance, out of touch, you can't reach anybody. It is really, really close. And I think that's what will give them that extra edge going into matches is that they know they're only a win away from getting even further away from the relegation. Do you know what I mean? So Absolutely. It's, yeah, it's great. I think I have been kind of plugging West Ham a bit this season that they are more than their results. And I think things are starting to click for them. And I think people like Gory have been massive for kind of bringing that all together. Um, because I think it's been there in patches. They've got good mm-hmm. players, but it was almost like they found maybe their missing piece. Now, I'm not going to say they're going to go on and win every game, but it's important you know, to take a big victory, like you said. It just gives them so much more confidence going into other matches. Well, talking of confidence, um, do you think that Arsenal's confidence as being contenders for the title has now been 
dashed. Yes. In a way. Um, there's this kind of, there's this big stat that, you know, you can't win the title if you've got more than three losses. Arsenal obviously just racking up their, their third loss this weekend. But do we now think, I mean, we've said before, you know, the competitiveness, the competitiveness of the league is growing. I think we need to expect towards the latter stages, especially with Chelsea, you know, still in the FA Cup, still in the Champions League. Those games they'll still have to compete with. And the fact that they have now lost Sam Kerr as well, which is obviously big. Um, do we think actually that that is it? That's it for Arsenal? Or do we think actually... No, calm down. Let's just see how the game the, the the games unfold. I just it's hard to see where Chelsea are going to drop points, and it's not just one game. It's not just Arsenal saying we're in touching distance. We just have to beat them. But Chelsea lost against Arsenal not too long ago, and Arsenal face the big top four in the next few games. So if they win those games, they win those big games. It's doable. It's even if they beat Chelsea, they're still three points. Adrift. Yeah, but then they've just got to beat Man City. And then Chelsea have to lose again. Yeah. So you're, <laughs> you're like, it's easy, simple. They're not invincible. They're not invincible, but I just struggle to see where. And it's again, this is the thing. Now, Arsenal have to be perfect for the rest of the season. Yes. That's the other hard bit, right? Because we're seeing now, and it's not just Arsenal, you can get tripped up by teams further down the table. Mm-hmm. You're not, things aren't guaranteed. And, you know, I looked at Chelsea against Everton and I thought for a little while, I was like, holy shit, are Everton actually going to pull off? Something unbelievable. Um, no, uh, was the answer uh, narrator? They did not. But yeah, it's just that that kind of where are they going to trip up is just hard to see. And then assuming Arsenal are going to be able to maintain a perfect record, and then Man City, like you know, again there was another one. I thought is Man City is Leicester going to do it? Absolutely. Drop points and no. Way to waiting until the absolute final moments, Man City, giving us all a heart attack there. Um, I mean, Jonas Eidevall doesn't seem to think that the title chances have been affected. Uh, he claims because they still have the teams uh, to play the teams in the top four, the chat that the race offers them the opportunity to control their own fate. It's, it's out a- of their control. It's literally out of their control. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think as a manager you can say, well... There's only so much we can do, really. No, but you also could not say we can control our own fate. Neither the lads. <laughs> Go again next year. Um, right. While we saw Leah Williamson returned in this game, we saw another Arsenal legend bow out after eight years at the club. Legend of the pod, friend of the pod, Jem uh, Beattie announced last week that she's joining Bay FC. Uh, Beattie played for Arsenal in 2009 to 2013 and then 2019 to this season. Um, she hasn't played too much this season, but she was a huge presence in the dressing room. I mean, Rach, how do you think she's going to be remembered at Arsenal and in the WSL? I mean... She's just one of those like great personalities, isn't she? She's a legend. Um, yeah, and she's been in, involved in a lot of moments in the WSL. Even you know, not just leaving Arsenal, but leaving the WSL. You know, mm-hmm. she had a great time at um, Man City as well. So yeah, I think she'll be hugely missed. I- I'll definitely miss her. We'll all miss her. A um, couple of nice kind of moving tributes from Leah Williamson as well. Sort of they, you know, they had, she built up some very tight relationships because she sort of saw that massive transition, essentially over a decade of Arsenal history. I mean. Yeah, she's kind of seen it and been through it all. She, she feels like a big sister in the team. I always yeah. felt like she was there to put an arm around someone. Um, yeah, I think my biggest memory of her is going to be that goal at the Emirates um, the in the semi-final of the Champions League against Wolfsburg. I think that's <laughs> going to be my lasting memory of her because, yeah, she was a she was immense. I did love last season when things maybe Sorry, weren't... And also what happened with Pop afterwards. Oh, well, quite. Yes, yes. The, the, the attempted shoulder barge, the failed shoulder barge. Um, but no, I used to love when, when things weren't going right for Arsenal last season. They'd be like, stick Jen Beatty up top. Go on, 
It's like Rachel Williamson in United. <laughs> yeah, that kind get of vibe. up top there, goal. Go <laughs> and then she went and got the goal. Loved it. Well, I've got to give credit to Bay FC. They are doing the absolute business this season. Um, they're in their first season in the WSL as an expansion side. They also recently signed Dana Castellanos from Man City and Asisa Ashwala from Barcelona. Um, the one thing that I have really appreciated the Bay FC um, signings is the opportunity for all of those stars to wear this incredible new like navy blue and white baseball jacket that sort of gives American high school vibes and it kind of makes me want to buy one. Um, well, I'll be over in the US this summer so I can bring one back for you. That'd be a really lovely gift and I'll wear it to our first pod for next season. Oh my God, shall I get one as well? Under the new Nuco Bay regime. <laughs> yeah, oh my God, that'd be amazing. Thank you so much. We can get matching ones. Yes. You're like, no, absolutely not. Yeah, no. My face says yes. My my head says no. Okay, because Jen Beattie's leaving, should we put her as a new entrant in the Upfront Hall of Fame? Yes, and I think her picture should be uh, withstanding the pop charge. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Producer Finn, if you get that sorted uh, for us, that is another one to add. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Before we go any further, remember to catch up on last Thursday's bonus episode with England and Manchester City star Demi Stokes. Uh, There was a bit of a food theme going on. We talked about her cooking skills, what she ate with Jill Scott to celebrate winning the WSL title and how she ate it and why she wants to be a firefighter. Yep. That's actually right, a firefighter, after she hangs up her boots. It was loads of fun. So listen to that episode in your podcast apps right after this one. Right, Rachel, let's get stuck into the Seagulls. They lost 2-0 at Manchester United in their first game since sacking Melissa Phillips on Thursday. Obviously, there was a massive reaction to that sacking. It felt like a really chaotic decision, sort of summed up by the fact that Brighton's interim boss, Mikey Harris, came over from the Men's Academy and admitted on Friday that he hadn't yet met all of his staff. I mean, we were both on that press conference call and it there were some points 
I'll, I'll throw to you that sort of seems to cause a, a bit of a stir amongst journalists, a bit of concern. Well, firstly, just to get your heads around it, I had been on the Melissa Phillips press conference at 2.30 on Thursday where she gave us her opinions and her thoughts and the upcoming match against Manchester United and all that kind of stuff, gave us her team news, etc, etc. Um, and then like four hours later, she was sacked. So that in itself was bizarre. The timing was bizarre, very unexpected. Obviously a big week coming up for them. They had Manchester United, then they've got um, Conti Cup quarterfinals uh, on Wednesday and then the FA Cup fifth round on Sunday. So quite a, a big week. So interesting timing and arguably like we've had conversations over the over the season of potential managers, managers' futures, right? Mm-hmm. Her name was never one of them. No. She was never in the chat about like they weren't doing brilliantly, but I would also say they weren't failing. It didn't feel like they were failing. It felt like they were a team that had pretty new manager, quite a few new signings, trying to find their feet a little bit, pulling off some good results here and there, showing you know, signs of something in terms of when they played big teams, they weren't, you know, absolutely turned over. Managers spoke about how difficult they were to play. And I know people will say, but the data, yeah, fair. But like, they still weren't dead last. They weren't even 11th. They were two points off seventh place. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's probably why it came as quite a shock to most of us. Well, I think it seemed to come to quite a shock for... Mikey. Oh, God, love him. Um, yeah, so this press conference, um, it was quite an unusual one. Obviously, he was being asked, you know, what they thought about the Manchester United game, where the sacking had come from. Um, and he basically kind of said that he'd only been told about it on the evening before it took place. He was actually in charge of the under-21s academy sort of transfers. It was the last, you know, few days of the transfer window. Um, he got told and then he sort of stepped into this role um, and sort of admitted that, you know, he wasn't the absolute expert in the WSL. And to be fair to him, he said, you know, that would be disrespectful to the staff that, that work in it every single day. But obviously with his focus being so much on the men's side and the academy, he now has to kind of shift very, very quickly into, you know, a completely different league, a completely different product, a completely different set of players and staff and way of playing. Um, yeah, I think... Um, I didn't get the point of the press conference personally because it didn't seem like they had prepared him in any way for the most obvious questions that were going to come his way. So, like, we had done team news. We had mm-hmm. done pre-Manchester United chat. That still stood. You know, he wasn't going to bring in some complete, you know, transform things with the hour that he had with the players on the grass <laughs> before the game. So, I didn't really understand the point of it when they hadn't prepped him. And God love him, he it kind of felt like they fed him to the wolves a little bit because people were asking him questions that he just didn't have answers for, but he was the only person that mm-hmm. could be asked the questions, right? So, Absolutely. why they didn't put out a... St- like maybe a statement or like a little uh, social media video, like meeting Mikey or something like that to kind of bridge that. But I just didn't really understand what they'd hoped to gain from throwing him into the deep end massively without any lifeboat. Massively. And I think, you know, he doesn't have a lot of the answers that people were asking, you know, why the decision had taken place, you know, when the next manager was going to come in, how long he was going to be in the role. Uh, And he was kind of saying, you know, ask David Weir, Brighton's technical director. And um, David Weir actually said, uh, the decision was vital for the progress we want to see, adding that we have invested heavily in the women's squad and infrastructure going into the season and results and performances have not been at the level we had expected. Uh, so, Rach, as you as you kind of said, I mean, Brighton have made 11 signings in the summer, moved into this £8.5 million purpose-built training centre. Um, and, like you know, they weren't doing badly. They weren't doing amazingly, but I don't think that was the expectation. So for me, it feels like I'd love to know 
what the half season performance targets were and how far off those Mel was and whether that was way too high. Did Mel know that that was not that they weren't achieved? Like it just seemed so sudden and unexpected. Yeah. Um, and everyone keeps saying she's been in the job nine months. She came in the end of the season, April, May. She They were bottom of the table when she came in. They finished 11th, so they avoided relegation. Mm-hmm. Then we had the summer. So, you know, I know people want to include that in her managerial career, fair, but it's not like she was working with her players in that time. And then she's had September, October, November, December, January, five months yep. with those new players. So expectation versus reality maybe feels like they're on opposite ends of the chart. Yeah. And I think I appreciate that they're investing and it's something that I really admire Brighton for. To me, they always seemed like a club that understood the long-term project, that it wasn't going to happen overnight, that you weren't going to start seeing loads of revenue, that you weren't going to shoot up the table just because you've spent money. That's not really how it works. And actually, if if the goal is cracking into the top four, the money then has to be spent on recruitment because you're not... Look, Brighton have a decent team. They made some good signings. They made some exciting signings. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of quite young players like Elizabeth Turland, who's scoring most of their goals, is still quite young. You know, so that's not necessarily a team that's suddenly going to get you into the top four Mm -hmm. in the space of five months. So it just seems a bit rushed and rogue and maybe... But that's the thing. I mean, Mikey was kind of asked, you know, what were the ambitions? And, you know, is WSL top four within the ambitions for this year and he said you know very clearly I don't think it's for this year but it's definitely a long-term ambition and you know they were heading in the right direction yes still very early days but it that is still possible because they're so far away from the championship they're only just building and consolidating on what they've got arguably improved on last season already by being 10th not 11th that is true but But, you've uh, but two points off seventh Yes, but at the same time, I mean, defensively, they are quite weak. They are the second leakiest Mm -hmm. in the league. They've got a goal difference of minus 16. Um, They have also kind of lost, you know, quite a few of the kind of the the old guard. You know, your Kaylee Greens, your Megan Walsh's, uh, Danielle Carter, um, Lydia Williams um, in there. You've got, you sort of, you are bringing in these new players. That, again, is going to take time to gel. I mean, 11 signings is pretty much half your squad. Um, so I just I, I think you've got to give a manager at least a season at, at the very least. What I don't want to see is this kind of manager merry-go-round that I think we see in the men's game is that it's kind of very reactionary thing to not feeling that they should be somewhere and then just thinking that the best thing to do is just to sack them. And surely Brighton would have looked at their previous history with managers and gone, actually, maybe what we need is stability. You know, mm. they got rid of Hope Powell, they brought in Amy Merricks, things improved under her. Got rid of Amy Merricks, brought in um, Jens Schur, which was oh, a Jens. terrible, ended up not, you know, being a good decision. Oh, that was a good time. Got rid of him, said, Amy, come here, will you come back again? Cheers. Did all right, <laughs> did all right under Amy. And then they went, no, fuck off again. We're going to bring in another manager. And now they got rid of her. And I like, I, Emma Hayes touched on this. You know, she was, she was, said she was really surprised and shocked and thought it was too soon. She was like, you know, managers aren't being paid a million pounds for this. Do you know what I mean? Like Mel Phillips, left London City Lionesses, went to America for a short period of time, came back for the Brighton job, and then she's been sacked again. Like, mm. I just, what about their lives? I mean, and that's not a reason to keep a manager because of that, but like, this kind of short space kind of sackings, it's the same when we talk about short contracts for players. Like, mm. it's really, really kind of unstable for a manager. I just, yeah, I feel for her. 
it's going to be interesting to see where she sort of pops up again because she is a good manager. Like you look at her credentials at London City Lionesses. This was obviously her first WSL job. I think anyone reasonably can sort of take, uh, you know, a, a realistic sense of the fact that she didn't, she wasn't in the job long enough to really give a good account of herself. Mm-hmm. She wasn't able to do that. So where do we think she's going to go next? I don't even know what vacancies are. She's, I, I can't see her being in the running for the Chelsea women's job. So <laughs> where no one else is really sort of set to leave that we know of at the moment, but you never know. I'd be surprised if she popped up before the end of the season. You know, yeah, we might see some turnover at the end of the season and perhaps there'll be an opportunity there. She could also go back to the US, which would be a shame because I, I rate well, her. back to the champ. And I, I really like Mal Phillips, so um, I do hope she sticks around. But the US are drawing in. I mean, they've got Emma Hayes. They've got in Casey Stoney. They brought one over, one Amaros uh, over from Spurs. I do think there is a, there's a definite trend, a shift. Um, do you know who was over in America for a while? Go on. Mark Parsons. Oh, my gosh. I can't. Do you know where he was? Oh, he was on. he was in the stands. No, for Brighton versus Chelsea. No, I mean that's that's a dead cert, isn't it? Well, listen, that's it. That's how it goes. We do we did talk to we we do talk to Annabelle about this later on in the episode. So, you know, we'll see what she has to say on the situation. But I do think she spotted him too. And I said it. I'll say it later in the app as well. But it just felt a bit Grim Reaper esque when you see another manager looking over your shoulder. But you never know. Mark Parsons could disappear off somewhere else and we'd all be surprised. In what world, like in an employment setting, would you be like almost on the way out but see your predecessor like being sacked and see your predecessor at your place of work? It's savage. Yeah. I mean, we don't know if it's true, but it's it's uh, it's unusual. Let's put it that way. Oh, well. Why are you sniffing around the WSL, Mark? What are you doing? Well, wait and see. Um, right, a final word on this game. Um, Nikita Paris has an absolute stormer um, forcing. Do we think, I was going to say actually, that she's forced her way back in. But I was like, that performance is good enough to force her way back into the England squad, do we think? Well, in um, case listeners are living under a rock, Manchester United did beat Brighton 2-0. Um, and in not a classic, it wasn't the most exciting uh, of games. But yes, Nikita Paris is on flying form. And I think the partnership with her and Jace, oh. um Jace playing out on the wing is is more effective, I think, because sometimes she's not so clinical when she's in the box. Yeah. So when she's out on the wing, providing those opportunities, two assists for yeah, her, not two bad. goals for Keats. Not bad. She's climbing up that golden boot table as Nikita Paris. Right. Scored her seventh and eighth WSL goals of the season. Almost looks like a return to form to the golden boot win with City back in 2018, uh, 2019. I think? I think potentially... You know, she could be brought in in February. I hope Serena probably brings a bigger squad. Hopefully we see some new names there. So it's definitely an opportunity. It's uh, She's scoring goals. I think this kind of, I think I feel like Skinner's now decided on or finally got a kind of eff- effective attacking lineup now. And I think that's going to take the heat off him. I know, you know, Skinner's come under fire recently. You know, people going, oh, leave. You're not doing well enough. Like like all managers. Um, Surprise, we've sacked you. <laughs> don't. Don't put the curse no. on Skinner. He doesn't need it. The hex doesn't doesn't deserve it. Anyway, Villa play Brighton tomorrow in the Conti Cup. Um, an eyebrow-raising performance at the bottom end of the table was Aston Villa's draw with Bristol City after twice 
going ahead. Uh, what a goal from Carrie Jones. However, this was a disappointing end to a tricky week for Villa after they lost Laura Blinkilda Brown to Manchester City and Lucy Staniforth was ruled out of the rest of the season with an ankle injury. Rachel, how costly do you think that's going to be? And... Rachel Daly seems to have lost a bit of form recently, don't we think? Okay, I'll address the first question. I was quite worried about Aston Villa and their midfield when I heard about the injuries and about Laura Blinkilder-Brown going to Manchester City. so well. Um, But actually, this was... Looking at statistics and like the data of how they played and watching them play on the day, they played well, Aston Villa. This was some of the best football I'd seen from them this season. Mm -hmm. And... I think the frustrating thing is that they're still not putting their chances away. They had 36 opportunities, 14 of them on target and only scored two. Now, Shea and Ezen goal was unreal, but Bristol City are now playing every game like it's a cup game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've talked about, I've talked about, you know, their performances being good and when they've played well, I think they're just a little bit like, yeah, performance is all well and good. The bloody points are the main thing. You know, if it means defending like absolute, like to the death, and it's not pretty, it doesn't matter if we get points or a point. So it was a little bit of that. I think you can never write Bristol City off. I would hate to have a one-goal lead on Bristol City. They must be one of the worst teams to have a single-goal lead on because <laughs> they just always get one back. You need a cushion. Queens. Yeah, so yeah, Carla Ward was really frustrated. She was really annoyed they didn't get a penalty at the end when um, Brooke Aspen handled the ball, quite obviously. Been a couple um, of dodgy handball decisions. Oh my God, a couple of penalty dodgy decisions. But um, yeah, she was quite frustrated about that, but also said, look, if we're creating 36 chances, we can't complain about. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we should have put the game to bed. But credit to Bristol. They've got a serious doggedness about them, but other results didn't really go their way. So, um, yeah, we'll see about Villa. I was pleasantly, pleasantly surprised. Rachel Corsi stepped up um, into midfield. Um, but I do think potentially sterner tests could make that tricky for them. And then Rachel Daly, yeah, I think she's not maybe getting as much service as she would like. She tends to drop deep quite a bit to get the ball. Um, and just generally Villa just look a bit panicky in the box mm. and, and maybe similar for her at the moment so yeah it's not I ideal I feel they're lacking confidence I feel like they get themselves into situations where they can score and then make the wrong decision and pass yeah and I, I that's that's something I've never understood because I feel like Rachel Daly is one of those players that's always pounced on opportunities she's very much kind of you know doesn't doesn't mess around you know one shot chances like she's just very tenacious I think but I feel like that tenacity is kind of got lost a little bit. It just seems like there's more stress in the way that they play, if you yes. know what I mean. Uh, and they're a bit more frantic and they snatch at things. And yeah, I think that's the same can be said for her. But maybe that comes from the position that they find themselves in. They're not doing well. So every game does matter. Every goal does matter. Mm-hmm. So operating under that kind of pressure, whereas last season when they did so well, you know, they're sort of getting into like the fifth position, fourth position at, at periods. So it was a different ball game. So Rachel Daly, who was last season's you know, WSL golden boot winner is now sitting halfway through the season at number seven with just six goals and zero assists with Bunny Shaw on 13 and three assists. So a long way off. I think it's probably safe to say that unless Rachel Daly starts, you know, absolutely excelling. Scoring hat tricks. That it's um, that it's probably not going to be, uh, you know, two and two for, for her. But we will wait and see. We've seen weirder things happen. Uh, coming up in part three, we spoke to Crystal Palace's Annabelle Johnson earlier ahead of their first ever clash with Chelsea this weekend in the FA Cup. We also talk about her experience of training to be a coach and her dream shirt swap. Don't go anywhere.
AJ, thank you so much for joining us. Um, yeah, I know it's been a very busy weekend, sort of beating championship teams all over the place. Um, yeah, what, first of all, how are you feeling after the back of, of uh, Sunday's win? Yeah, good. I mean, the girls did fantastic. There's a lot of pressure building up into those games, whether it's spoken about or not. So a fantastic result and performance. Like, can't ask for much more. And results went our way in the, with the other teams as well. So, yeah, that's fantastic. Do you feel like there's a, a sort of growing sense of pressure now that, you know, I was with Palace for a number of years back in the day uh, and we always sort of sat, you know, around the mid table, like we were never in the relegation spot. We always, I think we hit fourth at one point, yeah. third, but they're never any closer. But this year feels like the first year that Palace really have these kind of big ambitions to get into the WSL. Do you think there's a, a pressure now for every single point mattering, for every game being so critical to that big ambition that, that Palace have? I think at the moment there's like great management within the squad, whether that's directed from the staff or the player themselves. So it's very much a week by week basis. Um, there's going to be outside noise. You can't ignore it. You know that you've got the game in hand where we are in the position of the table. Um, but in terms of coming in every week after every game, focus on the next game, focus on the next game. And we're literally taking it by week by week. And mm. then we'll see, see where that takes us in the end. What is going on in the championship this season? <laughs> <Great> because, <laughs> just more generally, um, we've got five team title race on our hands. And normally, you know, after a, a few weeks or a couple of months, teams start to drop off. But no, there's still five years, still going for it. Five horse race. We love an analogy here. <laughs> what, what do you think has made that, like, I guess, level go up a bit or make more teams be challenging? Yeah, I, well, it's crazy because you go into a game one week thinking that you could, might Nick first place coming out of that game week and then you come out of it in fifth and you're like what is going so that is crazy itself to like if you are looking at it and you are involved in it um, at the moment there doesn't seem to be like that one team that is beating everyone and getting that consistency week in week out um, so I think that's why there is that like five horse race at the moment and any team that can kind of work to nail down that consistency as soon as possible, fix any problems as quick as possible, I think and ultimately they're going to be the winners of the league. And in terms of sort of the club at the moment, it feels like quite an exciting time. I mean, the January transfer window, there's sort of been some huge statements, you know, the likes of Izzy Atkinson, you've got my old friend Rhea Percival turning <laughs> up at the training ground. Um, I mean, you, we kind of joked a little bit before, you know, I was definitely the oldest player at Palace um, at the time. Uh, now you have taken the reins. We did take the reins as the oldest player. Uh, and now Rhea Percival stepped in and she's the most mature player there. Most I mean, mature. I've, I've said that in a quite a nice Wise. way, haven't I? Yes, thank you. Yeah. Um, how exciting is it to kind of have the, the calibre of those signings now at Palace? Yeah, well, it's, it's taken the club into a like a new level, a new direction for us to be able to be in that like title race as well. It's excellent. Like we don't really hear much about what's going on, who they're thinking of bringing in, and mm. then next minute they're they're in the changing room. So they're eating dinner and having salmon with you. Yeah, they're, they're, it's they're, like, they're, are you lost or have you been signed? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone walks in is like raised eyebrows, like oh okay, you know what it's like. Everyone's mm. fighting for a shirt as well, but no, really exciting. I think they've done fantastic this January with their kind of recruitment and they obviously identified a, like a clear category of players that they're, they're going after and they've signed mm -hmm. them on longer term deals which is really important for the success of the club and like you know what it's like Chloe we've mm -hmm. gone from no contracts to one year contracts to now I think that like you had Amy Everett, Blanche they've signed 
longer term deals. deals and then people like all the players that have come in apart from Rio's on loan so a little bit different mm-hmm. but everyone else so that means you're able to get that stability within the squad which is so important like taking you into any new season as well I mean when from my time with Rio she was always very um very level-headed, very calm, very kind of standards-driven. I mean, does she kind of have that same energy in the dressing room? Because obviously she's just come off the back of, you know, the World Cup and, yeah. you know, stepping into that environment. Does she kind of bring that... I don't know, you could have a joke with her, but she was very kind of, we need to get this done. This is a very sort of serious job and we are here to do business. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel a bit sorry for her because she's sat with all the younger players oh, in the gosh. changing rooms. So she is stuck in the middle of that chaoticness and I see her just sitting there silently and I'm like you're right <laughs> who's <laughs> the most chaotic or carnage energy in the changing room out of the youngsters <laughs> is um, it still Blanchard no no Blanche, Blanche <laughs> is good Blanche is maturing she's very okay. level yeah no she's um, she's fantastic in the changing room the changing room is quite loud and wild I would say there's a lot of people with good positive energy so at the end of the day, once the training has been done, everyone's switched off, like afterwards getting changed, ready to go home is so loud and, and chaotic in there. So, yeah, it's I can't give you one name, but there is a, a lot, a lot of characters. And were there sort of, I know at the start of the season, we used to do sort of, um, you know, that kind of thing where you'd have like people stand up and like the initiation ceremonies. Yeah. I mean, who was the best and worst singer from the initiation? Just a sort of context at the start of the season, we'd either have someone sort of on a mic uh, on the coach for our long away games or once we got to the hotel, there'd be sort of like one of the players sort of you know, standing up and, and giving a, a sort of rendition. Whether they wanted to wear, you know, fancy dress in that, they could. If they didn't want to, they, they didn't have to. Do you know what? I have to say they were rubbish at that this year. No. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's dropping off. Oh, I don't know. becoming more the... serious. Yes, yeah, yeah, but... You can be serious and have a laugh, right? There yes. was there was a lot of shyness, and I'm very I'm very much on the. I want people to have a laugh, but if they're not comfortable with it, let's cut, cut, cut it out and leave it. So yeah, no that that was kind of disappointing. But no, we've got we've got funny people in the changing room. Is often an argument of who's the funniest. So yeah, you got your Izzy Sibley's, Fliss, Chloe, Shauna, 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 Shauna Shauna's, yeah, 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 Shauna's rapping still oh, gosh. and singing so yeah no it won't it won't it won't ever stop but yeah no they're, they're a great group shall I bring it back to the, the serious stuff oh yeah, yeah go on yeah yeah, <clears> yeah go on right. yeah I forgot okay. about that oh, <laughs> makes, makes me bring it back to the serious one good cop bad cop I'm the more mature head in the room <laughs> am I? Um, I was going to ask about off the back of the kind of contract chat you know thinking long term do you yeah. think that's a, a long term vision in terms of looking ahead to hopefully getting into the WSL do you feel like the club are ready for the WSL or is there kind of do you think more things to build on should you get promoted? Yeah, well, Grace came in um, this year as the director of football for us and she had a hell of a job on her hands. She was kind of coming in the summer with nothing in place, no management, no structure. They changed the schedule. The amount of hours she was working and must still be working to get it into place. She's done an unbelievable job at getting that foundation. And I think she knows what now needs to be done to get like take the club to the next level in mm-hmm. the WSL. You can't, what do I say? You don't build Rome in a day. She, the, the the job there is absolutely incredible, but there's always more. There's always room to grow in in those areas, and like, I'm sure even top tier WSL clubs think that as well. So I think we're in an absolutely fantastic position. Um, if you'd say where we're at with everything that we're provided with now compared to. A year ago, the growth is phenomenal. So I think it's a, they're on a, the club's on a great trajectory and uh, excited to see where it goes for the future. 
So that's um, Grace Williams, the former general manager at Bristol City and Watford. So obviously she's got quite a lot of experience sort of in the WSL and the championship and sort of, you know, what it takes, I suppose, to transition as a team into the WSL. Um, Now you've got Laura Kaminsky, uh, another old favourite friend of mine. Uh, It was quite (laughs) nice coming down to the training ground a couple of weeks back to to meet her and and interview her. Um, What's it been like being trained by such a legend? (laughs) <laughs> How long did you work with her? Where was uh, that? A few uh, years at Spurs. Spurs. Yeah, oh, she was nice, part of the academy it. set up, but she was sort of the uh, Karen Hills's first assistant as well. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, because she's come from Karen Hills at, at Charlton as well. Yeah, no, it's been great. Um, refreshing. Um, I've had, I think, the first female coach that I've actually mm-hmm. had wow. in the game. Um, so I was looking forward to that, see if it's any different. Um, completely different to what it used to be at Palace. But yeah, enjoying it got the group rallied up and the results um don't lie either in terms of female coaching i think we can maybe expand on that a little bit um i know we're going to touch on stuff that emma hayes has talked about in terms of um female coaching but in terms of managers i want to get your thoughts on uh mel phillips getting getting sacked (laughs) quite quite suddenly um what was your take on that do you think potentially we're going to see an increase in more managers getting sacked in short term yeah, um, it was interesting. I was watching Brighton play, I think, Chelsea the week prior. Um, it was on Sky Sports and they panned, I think, is it Mark Parsons? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was in the crowd. <laughs> yeah. And when I was watching it at the time, I thought, oh, I don't think it's ever <laughs> a good sign for another manager, unless you're, they're your friend, to be watching the team. So at this, I was like, oh, I don't know what's going on here. Um, so I, I think the signs were there whether he gets a job or not you just don't want another manager watching your team I don't think um, it's tough um, I'm assuming well I don't understand the timing of it because why have the whole transfer window and then go which makes you feel like it's not it wasn't kind of like strategic we were going to hit this date because why not do it in December and then let mm-hmm. a new manager bring in a couple of their own players to, to suit their style but then again I mean everyone's talking about the investment increase but I don't know the exact numbers of like what is Brighton's budget in comparison to other people like mm-hmm. other teams in the yeah. league I don't know what that is and what the realistic expectation should be it's tough when uh, like the managers aren't paid enough to be sacked move sacked move again um, but as always it's going to happen it's going to increase and I wouldn't be surprised if there's a few more after this because mm-hmm. you kind of feel like if anyone was on the edge domino effect yes mm-hmm. and then another club will be like well Oh, should we have sacked our manager by now? So, unfortunately, it's tough. It's a savage industry. Just hope you don't see another manager in the crowd at your game. It's a bit like, <laughs> you know, the Grim Reaper standing there. You're like, uh-oh. Um, so, yeah, maybe maybe the Brighton board went, oh, look, that's Mark Parsons. <laughs> and then just made the decision. Like, <laughs> Well, you mentioned there sort of some of the, the scary bits and the vulnerabilities of, of being a manager, a manager and sort of coach. But it's something that you kind of mentioned just before we started the pod, that it was something that you kind of wanted to go into. So... Where are you sort of at with your journey and why is that sort of something you're looking at as a, as a career at some point in the future? Yeah, I think as I gradually got older, like being a captain, I've always enjoyed being a leader in the changing room. Like eventually I would love to be a manager. I know that takes, that could take me five, 10, Laura 15 Kaminsky, years. she's coming. <laughs> yeah, I am. Emma Hayes, she's coming. <laughs> yeah. but that, that would take me years. So I need to get on the, on the coaching ladder mm-hmm. um and we saw emma hayes's like comments about that this week that we need more female coaches like from a personal perspective i am finding it so difficult mm-hmm. and i'm in a privileged position I'm, I'm a championship player a premier league club like everything should 
all in my favor to get my badges to get the experience but every time I try like get my badges on the road because I'm not in the PFA as well mm -hmm. I'm just hitting roadblocks um with trying to speed that up um in that process so then I was kind of thinking about that like well if I'm finding it difficult imagine people that aren't in my privileged position as well like all that un like tap potential they mm -hmm. must be hitting even more doors than I that I'm hitting as well so yeah I, I would love to get if anyone can help <laughs> shout out please out. please yeah <laughs> appeal if anyone can help please reach out um but yeah there there needs to be like a change in mm -hmm. how in how it's done and it's for me firsthand it's so difficult just to try get get the ball rolling so and you, but you said as well the comment you said earlier before we started recording was how many people are we losing yeah. to the process how many good coaches are we not getting through because of it because it's so difficult right. yeah absolutely and like I've I feel sorry for him. It's like, well, how do we help them as well? Like, mm -hmm. I don't want to just come along and be like, oh, I'm a championship footballer. I should jump to the front of the queue. Help me first. That's that's not fair. Like, the opportunities need to open up for everyone yeah. as well. So I don't know how to fix it, unfortunately. I wish I had a recommendation, but yeah. So you're on the, so you're starting out with the sort of the UEFA C license and you sort of want to go into the B and then do the pro license at the end. Um, is, that, is that right? Yeah. So um, because I'm not in the PFA, you do your C license, then you go into your B. Yeah. Um, so um, so and make your way up. But obviously you need to get coaching with, mm -hmm. with teams as well. Um, so I kind of, I'm, I've done like the theory of my C. So I'm just trying to get my practical done. And mm -hmm. then I want to get onto my B like as soon as possible. Like you really have to like, strike why the iron's hot in football and mm -hmm. when you're in in the moment if you don't if you don't you know what it's like if you don't hit that opportunity it, you might not never get it again yeah. so I feel like come on I want to get going but yeah roadblock after roadblock trying to work it out wow I mean not to you know make you nervous but speaking of Emma Hayes um you are coming up against <laughs> yeah. Chelsea yes. <laughs> on yeah, yeah, Sunday yeah. Uh, in the FA Cup what was your reaction when the draw was made well, we always wanted a WSL team because why wouldn't you want to test yourself? All day. Um, I just don't think we were quite expecting <laughs> yeah. one of the best teams in the world. <laughs> um, Do the draw again. <laughs> <laughs> reload, reload. But um, as we always said, football is football. Why wouldn't you want to test yourself against one of the best teams in the world? Um, you're going to have to do it at some point through the competition if you're mm -hmm. going to keep moving through it. So why not this weekend? Um and what I was always saying to the girls is like, there's a reason why bookies don't ever go bankrupt. Upsets happen. Oh, so, I love yeah. that. <laughs> That's how they make their money. They, they, they rely on the unpredictability of sport. And if everything was supposed to happen for like, as it was, if everyone, every team was going to be, whoever deserved to win, wins all the time, they'd be in trouble. People would make a lot more money when, they, when they're betting, but, but they story. don't. Yeah. I mean, we've just seen West Ham overturn the Gunners. I mean, yeah. this could be your weekend to yeah. kind of topple a, topple a giant. I mean, that would be amazing. I mean, how would you even celebrate something like that? <laughs> would Laura Kaminsky even let you celebrate or would you be back to, back to business with Black Rear Personal will be like, no, next no. game, next game. <laughs> Straight in for treatment. But no, we know the like magnitude of that task. We know mm -hmm. that they're one of the best, the best teams in the world our preparation will reflect that. Like mm -hmm. we're under no illusion that how difficult that task is. But as any elite footballer and any elite com like competitor, bring it on. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's tough. But Who are you why not? most looking forward to facing on the field? Um, I don't know if looking forward to... Comes <laughs> <in quite. laughs> Myra Ramirez, right? No, <laughs> Lauren James? No, I think there's been a lot of comments about, about Lauren James and, and people's friends have messaged them saying... 
Good luck with yes. that one. And they're elite footballers and they're, they're the at the top, top end. So Tire no, laces we, together. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a difficult, world-class, right? Uh, there's definitely going to be a few players sort of going for that. I'd go for the shirt swap with Lauren James at the end, for oh, sure. Oh, nice, All nice. Day. Yeah. yeah. Who I don't think we'd be ideal? allowed uh, what? to give our shirt away. Oh, oh so. yeah, yeah, fair. Well, yeah. Can you just have theirs? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying yeah. thanks. Like, can I have your top? Yeah, they probably... Yeah. Bye. <laughs> yeah, probably won't want our tops anyway. Yeah. Oh, they would, yeah. I ended up with Johnson. Oh, come on. <laughs> sure. I mean, no one ever wanted mine. I can't remember ever being asked for my top, to be Yeah, fair. have you given your top Yeah, I mean, I've not given mine away. Black with rubber crumbs. It's just because but... you couldn't get it off the gloves. People didn't want to make that difficult it for Maybe you. they that, were shy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was definitely that. Was, yeah, there were queues of thought, like queues <laughs> falling behind the goal, and I never really appreciated that all those people just actually wanted my sweaty shirt. Who, who would be your dream shirt swap? Um, I think we'd have to go Alex Morgan. Oh, really? Mm. Chloe's face. What's wrong with that? <laughs> that's a good shout. She's a, that's all right. A WSL so, well, shirt swap. She was um, in the WSL for a bit. Oh, what on a billboard? She was there. I saw her. <laughs> Did you play with her? Were you there? No. That's I why left. she's so bitter. Yeah. I'm not bitter. I don't care. <laughs> it doesn't sure. matter if she was the best Morgan at Spurs. <laughs> I'm good. That's what it is. Oh my god. Surname. <laughs> she took that title from you. I'm over it. Although ago. you could say when that shirt's hanging up in the Spurs history books, that's you'd be fine. like, "That was me." And they were like, but it's an outfield. No, that was me. That's this is, me. This is A. Morgan. Yeah. It's my middle name. It's a Morgan. It's yeah. Chloe Morgan. <laughs> the Morgan. <A> Morgan. <laughs> like, sure. <laughs> anyway, um, obviously you're going to face a massive, massive bit of competition this weekend. I mean, how do you kind of approach a game like this? Is it, I know managers always give the stock phrase, we approach every game the same as the last one, but you have to appreciate the level of competition of Chelsea. I mean, how do you kind of set up? What's your mentality going into the Don't game? Don't give us that. That's what? giving us all the hints and tips. <laughs> they might listen. That's what we want to hear. Chelsea <laughs> might listen. Well, we won't tell anyone. I'll be, I'll be in trouble with, the, with Laura. <laughs> no, I've not. We've, I don't actually know at the moment, but I'm, I'm making the assumptions. We're actually quite a um, possession-based football team. We've like fast-paced attacks. Um, so might need to take the possession-based out of it. And then... <laughs> and then well, you need to accept it. You're not going to be on the ball. They're, they're going to be on the ball. So mm -hmm. how, how do we look with that challenge? It's just a new challenge for us to... And Absolutely. Do you know what? It will help the team learn and grow because once you face that in a block, when you go into the championship, it's just a different different type of like level of having to defend bodies mm -hmm. on the line. So I, I think it's a great opportunity for the girls. Like, let's, We've got a young squad, a mm -hmm. young, young, exciting squad who all have ambitions to play in the WSL. Um, so now's your time to test yourselves and see where where you're at and where we need to improve and, and what we need to do. So I think it comes at a great time because then it will lead us into the business end of the season and you'll learn loads from it as well as obviously trying to be successful in the game. But mm -hmm. what you can take away from that is you can't you can't teach it in a classroom, the lessons that will be like learned in that game. So yeah. I think it comes at a great time. And it's FA Cup. So it's exactly. just extra special. Does it feel like a proper FA Cup underdog story? It, absolutely. And um, because when you're in the, like kind of towards the top of the table, you're not often an underdog. Um, so it's like a great, it's a great way to flip the game, mm. have that mentality. Everyone's against us. You're away at King's Meadow as well, which mm -hmm. is fantastic. They get good crowds down there. It's going to be a, a, a great day with a great atmosphere. So yeah, yeah. Um, Whoever plays in that game, I think they're going to absolutely love it and love the challenge. 
And I remember after games at King's Meadow that we used to get given dominoes. So that's something to look forward to. Oh, as well. really? Whatever happens, you're getting a pizza out of it. <laughs> yeah, 100%. All Is day. that still this year? I'm not too sure. They might have changed the nutrition since yeah. I was there. Um, oh, we'll have to put a word in. Tell you what, they did that green weekend. And when we went, they, I was like, why is it only oat milk with the coffees and teas? And they were like, green weekend, innit? So you never know, it could be something vegan. Yeah, so it, it could just be do, yeah. some falafel. Mm-mm. That's not bad. Falafel dipped in oat milk. It's um, not It's not something to necessarily though, look forward to after the end of a match. Don't worry, guys, even if you lose, there's falafel. <laughs> I used to. <laughs> but honestly, we wish you the absolute best of luck going into that game. There's a, there's a very big part of me um, that does want to see something we'll celebrate in your behalf a little bit special <laughs> yeah happening um, but yeah thank you so much for coming in and thank you for having me you're a full time worker you're trying to get your coaching badges you're also uh, you know a professional player with Palace like yeah finding 20 minutes to come and speak to us is, is very much appreciated massive respect so, no I've loved so it thank, thank you. you so much for having me Thank you for listening in. I'm back on Thursday with another special interview episode. It's championship themed. Um, This time it's with an England legend and the head coach slash head of women's football at Southampton. It's... Marianne Spacey. Yep, you heard it right. The legend of the game. She'll be telling us all about Southampton's rise up the leagues ahead of another huge FA Cup tie against United on Sunday. So make sure to catch that. In the meantime, you can find us on Instagram and X. I am at Morgie underscore 89. Rach is at Girls on the Ball and we are at Upfront underscore pod. You can also find us on YouTube at Upfront Pod. See you on Thursday. Upfront is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.